Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East. So today we are so excited because we have Heba Fisher with us. So Heba is the co-founder and CEO of Kerning Cultures, which uh, produces some amazing podcasts, Kerning Cultures, as well as recently Al Empire, which I have to say I thought it was AI Empire. Somebody else told me that recently. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wonder if it's in the branding or what. But I, another I podcaster at the forum was like, what is AI Empire? I was yeah. like, there's a there's an arm. It's really an owl. No, in some communications, that arm is missing. So I was like, ooh, AI yeah. Empire. <laughs> but Al Empire is much better, especially considering the guests you had on. Yeah. So for people that don't know, Kerning Cultures has been called This American Life or from this region by The Guardian. And it is the first VC-backed podcast from the region. So we're so excited to have Heba on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. Great. So yeah, these guys have some amazingly well-produced things. They, they tell uh, amazing stories. In fact, today I was listening to the latest episode where they talked about the origin of the Arabic typewriter, which was pretty cool. Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> there were Very two cool. people competing for the the, the acknowledgement of having the world's first uh, Arabic typewriter. Did, so. you, did you give away the story? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't told us who won yeah. or yeah. Who's, who rightfully claims it. Okay. Well, we start off each show by uh, starting with a little bit of background. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. On the lead up to Kerning Cultures? Uh, sure. Um, from what perspective are you interested in? So your background, um, your work background, when did you move to Dubai? Yeah, I know you were working with Impact Hub before, which is also of interest to our listeners since it was uh, related with startups, right? Yeah. So how did that happen? And then when did you decide to move to Dubai? And uh, when did you start Kerning Cultures? Sure. So I moved to Dubai um, two years after I graduated university. So my mm -hmm. family, my family's moved around quite a bit. They've mm -hmm. been here for 15 years, okay. um, 10 years, 10 years. They've been here mm -hmm. for 10 years. Um, and I joined them uh, a couple years out of university in my background. So I studied anthropology in school, Okay. Um, which is... Uh, cool and, um, and it is cool that you listen to kerning cultures i guess uh, I, I i don't know it makes sense somehow yeah, yeah. um and it was uh, it was um a particular discipline it was a new major and i went to university of virginia in the states and it was a new major called global development studies so i focused mm. on microfinance okay um i thought microfinance was the answer to all the world's problems if people started their own businesses and were financially independent that that was all that you needed in this mm. world um and on the back of uh so my first um my first company was uh, a nonprofit that I co-founded in Virginia, mm -hmm. um, which was a microfinance and business education program. And I ran that for two years and then moved to Dubai. And when I moved to Dubai, it was a pretty natural fit, I think, to join Impact Hub, which uh, Impact Hub is a global uh, platform and an incubator for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was in like 80 cities around the world. Uh, it was a huge network uh, for entrepreneurs and they were starting the first Impact Hub in the Arab world here in Dubai. Okay. Yeah. So so I joined uh, as the first hire. Um, we were a very small team. It was the the two co-founders who were active, uh, myself, and uh, and we basically had a space in Subahar and and had to you know um, create programs and operations and 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 all this stuff. Um, and uh, and so my 
passion and interest has always been building companies. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, a, that was a great experience. And it also meant that I would meet hundreds of entrepreneurs every single day and support mm -hmm. them along their journey and create programs uh, like mentorship programs and education programs, um, pitch competitions, connect them with investors, things like that. Um, and then I uh, was burnt out uh, from, from the experience, <laughs> frankly. It was a, a lot uh, on my shoulders. Um, Because it was a small team or? It was a very small team and, and our expectations, the expectations of investors were very big. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was just, I would like leave the office at like 2 a.m. and it was mm. just. When you mean, uh, what do you mean exactly where the expectation of investors was big? Investors who were invested in Impact Hub? Mm -hmm. Or the investors who were investing in the entrepreneurs coming through Impact Hub? No, the investors investing in Impact Hub. Ah, okay. Um, so it was, it was like every month we had to show certain growth of members and, and income and, and things like that. And okay. um, the team was very small. So for, mm. we hired, uh, you know, two other people, uh, but it was just, I, I think for the vision that, they had for the company, mm -hmm. we needed way more resources than that. Mm -hmm. um, so after a year and a half, I, I, I was just burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. So I left and took a couple of months to figure out what I wanted to do uh, with my life and what I think my purpose on this planet could possibly be. Um, mm -hmm. And then came up with the idea for, for Kerning Cultures. And at the time it was a much smaller vision. So it was just a single podcast. Um, and it was just born out of, you know, storytelling is in our blood as Arabs. Mm. Um, and especially for me, I'm I'm half Egyptian, half American, and navigating between both of those cultures, the way that you do that is through stories, right? Yeah. Um, so, it, and, and frankly, this is still the case. Most most mainstream media in the Middle East um, doesn't really speak to me. It doesn't speak to us. It doesn't speak mm. to the youth. It's targeted more towards, I think, an older generation. It's very traditional and the kinds of things that it uh, tells. And so I wanted to tell stories that I cared about. Um, yeah, very cool. So um, so what made you decide to get into like podcasting versus other mediums? Like Yeah, you could write or... Or, or video, video YouTube. <laughs> yeah. or was it, were you inspired by something or... Yeah. Uh, so I, I have been listening... At the time, I'd been listening to podcasts for several years. And my favorite podcast of all time is a show called Radio Lab. Okay. Um, okay. Have you heard of it? No, it's no. something that I've subscribed to forever and never listened to it. <gasps> radio Lab. Yes. Okay. Radio yeah. Lab is what made me fall in love with radio. Um, okay. And actually, the the creator of Radio Lab uh, is uh, Lebanese American. Um, okay. And I think that's probably like affinity with that. But it's it's a really nerdy show about science and technology and just like things that you when you read the titles you're like I would never be interested in that and then you listen to the story and you're like oh my god and it becomes the topic of all my conversation like my cultural references come from Radio Lab. Like, oh, really? okay wow so it's technology based huh It, uh, it's tech, it's science, it's like, okay. it, it's just really good storytelling. I like okay. nerdy podcasts. Like yeah. That. I've been yeah. listening to this show called uh, Explain the Universe recently. Ah, cool. Which is I was the one who, so we share a <laughs> podcast account. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I was the one that actually downloaded it. I listened to like 10 minutes of it. I was like, ah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> But it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. So it w the show's format But is there's a comedian and uh, and a scientist and they both talk and they basically choose a topic like 
whatever it could be some Black like it's, it's usually like a very intense scientific conversation but like they m- kind of make it humorous and funny and like they talk about it uh, in jokes and stuff so is it a comedian or an, or an uh, he's artist a comic comic he's yeah. a comic yeah. yeah sorry yeah so okay cool so radio lab you thought that okay this is a great plat- this is a great platform for storytelling podcast uh, this is a great example okay. for of of the kind of storytelling that i would love to do mm-hmm. um so yeah so we uh so i started and i think what really kicked started Kerning Cultures was there so MIT Arab Enterprise Forum does a competition every year which okay. I think is a fantastic platform uh, and so they did a uh, a call for people to send in applications mm-hmm. um, and so I applied and the application was you had to do a business model canvas which just like putting the idea down of mm-hmm. what Kerning Cultures could look like uh, on paper was a very useful exercise um, and that year it was in Kuwait and um, and so uh, I don't know however many people applied certain people got accepted so I ended up going for like a five week uh, training um, okay. so it was a number of workshops and then you got to meet a bunch of people um, nothing I think like concrete came out of that except I had really cool friendships but okay. uh, but I did meet uh, the person who would become our sound engineer so I like I said I studied basically anthropology in university I didn't have a journalism or media background mm-hmm. Um I write well, but that has, you know, I mean, that translates somewhat, but learning how to use audio equipment and learning how to tell stories well with sound was sure. mm. a very, very steep learning curve. And Ramzi Bashur, who was our sound engineer who joined us first, really taught me so much. Um, okay. and, and so that's how we started. So when you went for this program, did you already have some content that was out or you were just starting out and had an idea of what kind of stories you want to tell yeah we hadn't recorded anything at all yeah yeah so i remember when i first discovered uh, kerning cultures which was at the middle east podcast, podcast forum, forum which you also uh, organize which yes. is uh, very Co-organized, cool yes. organized yeah so um when i heard the first couple of episodes they were kind of entrepreneurship related i yeah. guess that came from your impact hub days yeah yeah so um and i and i did notice a huge jump in quality like um i I listened to the first uh, couple of episodes and then i listened to maybe the latest episode and i realized like the production quality had (laughs) gone through the roof and like uh, the storytelling was so much better the the quality of the audio and everything was just so much better so uh how long do you think it took you to like get your uh get into the rhythm of like being what Kerning Cultures is now so highly produced and and well executed. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think as I don't, you guys probably feel this with Startup Hustle, but like as a creative, you're probably never satisfied with the Mm. quality of Mm. the content that you produce. Like you're Mm. constantly thinking like I can improve it. So I can tell you I'm proud of where we are now. I think we can still grow. Um, But I would say that we really got our act together probably in the past year and a half. So So we've been around the first episode we released was in September of 2015, so a a little over four years ago. Um, So I I think it took us probably three years, Mm -hmm. but so that you know the dynamic of of how our team was operating. I've Mm -hmm. been full-time since that time. Um, My co-founder was full-time for about a year and a half, and Mm -hmm. then everybody else was part-time. And And your co-founder is not full-time anymore? My co-founder is not full-time anymore. and all the people who were part-time were volunteers for a huge chunk of it. And then 
when we decided to shift from a podcast to a podcast company, a podcast network, have multiple shows, like really take things seriously from a commercial perspective, mm -hmm. that happened a, probably a year, it happened two years ago. Um, and so then we started to give equity to, to some of our team members. We started to be able to pay them. We had an injection of capital and an investment. Mm -hmm. So we were able to actually bring people on full time. Uh, that was a year and a half ago. And I think that's what really tipped the the rigor of mm. the quality of of our production because before it was just kind of a little yeah, bit yeah now over the place. now you have a committed team that actually has stake in the company so I think I think it does make a difference in like how much you're going to push yourself yeah yeah I think the um, a couple of things I noticed right off the bat like now that I'm producing a podcast myself like I tend to notice other podcasters when they do things and I'm like oh how do they do that or how do they do this so I, I realized the sound design that you guys have really good uh, yeah. have is really good like you, you'll hear like little like uh, things in the background of uh, when people are talking and uh, that just brings in so much immersion no for uh, sure you're cool. definitely painting pictures with uh, your stories and uh, yeah and I mean, we listen to other podcasts from the region and they, they're doing some really good content. But when we compare it to like, um, you know, I don't know if you know of Gimlet Media. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I listen to a lot of podcasts from Gimlet Media and, and everything from like, you know, walking up to the interviewee and, you know, like shifting around while having your cup of coffee. All of those things really... Yeah, really puts the viewer there yeah. and and hooks them. Like I think that's why Serial was so successful as well. Because I mean, aside from being a really captivating story, and uh, and all, it was it was also that all the conversations with Adnan, like you heard the crinkling of the phone, and it's just is beautiful. So yeah. you guys are doing a really good job, and I think it inspires other podcasts from the region to also produce better content higher so, quality stuff yeah, yeah. Higher quality you definitely raised the bar thanks <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you very much so um but speaking of that like you guys put a lot of uh, time into producing your content it's it's well researched you have multiple interviewees in each episode and on top of that you do so much sound design and sound layering work uh doesn't it take you guys a really long time to produce well, an episode one episode yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would say for, so we have, um, we technically have three shows under mm -hmm. the Kerning Cultures Network. One is like, it was an experiment in uh, Ramadan of 2016, and it was a good experiment, but it's not an active show. Mm -hmm. um, and then the two active shows that we have are uh, a, a radio documentary style show that's also called Kerning Cultures. It's our mm -hmm. flagship show. That's the one that The Guardian compares to the This American Life mm -hmm. of the Middle East. Um, and then the second show, which we just launched uh a month ago now is called El Empire. And so mm -hmm. El Empire is a lighter lift production because it's more of an, in it's our first interview style show, yeah. highly curated. So we sat with a number of our guests. So guests like Bessam Yusuf or um, Hamid Sinu. Fetcher, uh, Joy. Joy Ajluni of yeah. Fetcher. Hamid Sinu, the singer songwriter from mm -hmm. Shra Leila. Um, mm -hmm. We sat with our guests for, you know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and then we edited it down to a 30 minute, 45 minute episode. Mm -hmm. So there is, you know, curatorial input um, yeah. but the production lift is is I, I would say it takes us maybe a week to research a guest 
the time for the interview and then post-production is probably another week to 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a light lift. <laughs> That's a light lift. I'm, I'm curious, and how long does it take? <laughs> so for our radio documentary show, Kerning Cultures, um, it, it, the average time I think is probably three months to put together a wow. story. But we're three working months? on, yeah, but we're working on multiple stories simultaneously. So the, te- okay. the typewriter, the um, two, uh, A Tale of Two Inventors episode that we just aired uh, today, Um, Ahmed Elefi, the character who you heard in the story pitched us that story last December Mm, so we've been working on it like in the background so we'll do an interview one month and then we'll like work on five other episodes and then we'll come back we'll do another interview Mm. so it's I would say if you pack it all together it's Mm. probably it's two to three months I think Mm. of time of like active working on the episode but it's pro I mean it's a film in your ear like it's it's like a full-on production and and the reason that we put so much effort into it is because we want we want this content to last right Mm. so you'll notice the other thing for both of these shows and and likely moving forward although who knows maybe we'll decide to do more of like a like a daily show or something that Mm. I, I don't know but for the most part the kind of content that I'm really excited about and, and our team is really excited about is is evergreen content that you yeah. can come back to in three years and it's yeah. still relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quality of the production is is high enough that people, it's still going to be just as immersive in three years as it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so you might not know, but my background like uh, in production of video audio stuff like is in YouTube. So I've been doing YouTube for the last ah, three and a half, four years. That's why this is such a legit setup. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I have, that's yeah. I have the I setup like, and the cameras and all that. <laughs> but uh, what I learned on YouTube was that in YouTube, it's um, you can't have like one episode coming out a month or like in two months because then uh, you, your subscribers aren't going to stay with you. Um, so it really taught me to produce content and at a reasonable quality, not at like a very high-end quality, but like a, at a reasonable enough quality to put it out like almost on a weekly basis. I think yeah. it's good quality. But I mean... But I'm so biased. If, if, like, <laughs> no, the thing is like I spend maybe four or five hours producing one video a week because I don't have more time than that, right? Yeah. But if you spend... Yeah. If you spend uh, five days producing that video, it'll it'll be... Of a, you can add sound design. You can mm. add like so many layers of stuff on top of it. Color grading, special effects. You can mm. do so many things, right? Mm. So, uh, so that's what we... I mean, even this podcast, like I don't really have too much time to like do so much stuff with it so it's amazing what you guys are doing and you're both working full time and doing this on the side and yeah. you have a kid and a dog and your mom <laughs> is here like oh bless you yeah <laughs> and, and also so it has a business yeah, yeah we have a business running yeah. so yeah. it's um yeah it's challenging but we enjoy doing the podcast because yeah. we get to meet interesting people like yourself yeah and we yeah. get to listen about your stories and um oftentimes what happens is after the podcast before the podcast we'll we'll talk about you know things that we like to listen about about startups about business ideas yeah um, so um, yeah so it's always interesting conversation yeah 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 we get a lot of value from it I think so um, I'm very curious to hear about what made you decide that it's time to raise uh, funding for your podcast um, and how did you go about it as well yeah and secondly uh, speaking of raising as well like uh, the financial side of uh, having a podcast business in this region like what do you think the the long-term prospects are like mm. in terms of uh, financially for your on a, as a return for your investors 
Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so part bef- one, how did so, you get yeah. to raise mm-hmm. So how did we decide to fundraise? Um, so like I said, when when we initially started Kerning Cultures, the vision was much smaller. It was just mm. a single podcast and it was born out of, you know, you turn on the radio in Dubai and it like legit hurts my soul. Oh like, my God. Like they're just, I feel come you. on. And that's why you guys started your own show, yeah. right? Is because yeah. like, <laughs> come yeah. on. Uh, so it was a much smaller vision. And then I think the deeper we got into it, we, and I learned more about the industry. We realized actually we can build an empire and, and I, and there's real commercial value in, in what we're doing. And so to do that, to build a network required funding. Um, mm. And we had built the team. We, our, our style of production is, is very new for the region. As you mm. guys saw at the podcast forum this yeah. weekend, I think there's a handful of of podcast uh, players who mm-hmm. are focused on narrative driven production. Like Salt yeah. is a really great example in Jordan. There's us. Finial Media here is focused on storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, the 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 style of production, it, like for all of us, it's it's very new. And so mm. we had spent three years basically training a talent pool as we were teaching, like we were teaching ourselves, all all of us and and, and learning. So we had the team, we had the idea, we had the vision and we just needed the capital to actually achieve, achieve it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when we decided to to fundraise and and I started fundraising in August of last year and we closed our round in May. So it took, it took like eight months to close the round. But from uh, entrepreneurs that we speak to, the lead time, in to close is is long especially in this region yeah so uh who did your background in impact hub help you in defining like how to pitch to investors considering that you had met so many founders so all of did all of that play a role i I think i i think the the sort of value from being at impact hub was the fact that i had built something of a reputation like a name for myself in dubai so a lot of people knew me especially in the startup circle um and i think uh i i think that's probably the the biggest takeaway i wasn't involved in the fundraising process for impact hub so it Mm -hmm. wasn't like an experience that i could pull across but i was involved in the fundraising for the first nonprofit. so we raised half a million in grants and donations which is a different ball game so raising grant funding is different from raising venture capital um i i would say i i think like my skill set has always been to build things. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that's probably the, what translated. Um, in terms of like how we were able to do it, mm-hmm. it was very much selling the vision of, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. And I was sharing this with another podcaster uh, over the weekend. I think what really helped tipped it for our investors in the conversation was, so we closed in August. In June, Spotify acquired Gimlet Media. Yeah. And Gimlet mm. Media is is very much a commercial model that we're modeling ourselves after sure. as Kerning Culture. So Gimlet mm. Creative, the branded content arm, we have Casey Studios. Like it's very much like this is an example of how you do high quality narrative podcasts Mm -hmm. and you can monetize it from a branded perspective you can monetize it from ads um Mm. and and so and i've been studying the industry very very close i mean i make it a point 20 minutes every day i i read something about the podcast industry so whether it's Mm. what's happening this week or reading a report or something and i think 
translating that uh, vision and and that deep understanding of what's happening in the space mm. to investors is is what helped uh, what helped persuade them. Okay. That's interesting. So uh, for you listeners who don't know, Gimlet Media is a company in the U.S. that started off with this uh, show called Startup. And yeah. they were talking about uh, how he was looking to raise money for Gimlet Media. Yeah. And then he eventually ended up raising money. And now they have like seven or eight different shows. Yeah. There's uh, like 15 shows under management. But yeah. spot, wow. they, they uh, Spotify Reply acquired them. Reply All is very good. Startup is very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Spotify acquired them for 230 million US dollars. Was it that high? I that thought it was like amazing. 50 or 60 million dollars. Wow. No, it's 200 not that. million dollars. That yeah. is amazing. So I guess that that business model works <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah. and it's amazing because i think in the first episode of startup he's pitching to chris saka <laughs> and he like that's my favorite episode <laughs> and he completely like tanks it yeah. and they came out with a, a, a tv, TV show, show for startup as yeah. well with zach ruff <laughs> Yeah. I don't care for the TV show. A lot of people, it didn't do well. But no. but yeah. that that also I think it got canceled already. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that that as well. You were asking about the the commercial viability of podcasts. So that yeah. that as a as a stream is is absolutely one that we have our eye, eye on as well. Where you mm. take a show and you adapt it to something else. So maybe it's TV, mm. maybe it's uh, a Netflix original, maybe it's whatever. But okay. there's there's a bunch of um, articles and and like a lot of players in this space are really excited about. If you think of how expensive video is to produce, yeah. prototyping a show is extremely expensive. Mm. But if you prototype with a podcast and it's yeah. audio only, it's much cheaper and you you can test and make you can guarantee an audience and audience yeah. interest and then you can translate that they didn't do it well in this example but i mm. think homecoming is another show that gimlet media has yeah. adapted for amazon amazon has a video series starring julia roberts and that one i think is doing well homecoming was a podcast first I oh, didn't I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, we've the seen show. the show but yeah. we haven't heard the podcast okay. interesting but that is interesting for sure yeah Great. Yeah, um, like uh, speaking of which, I think radio is dead because, uh, you know, like um, it's it's just like the Netflix thing, right? Like you can listen to a podcast whenever you want, however you want. You can consume or it on pretty much even. any device. Mm. So I definitely think that podcasts are going to replace radio. But do you think like the public thinks that as yet like i'm sure In this region i'm very curious yeah like uh, do you think uh, like podcasts can uh, get a similar um you know uh reach not reach or reach as well but do you think they can get uh, as many advertising dollars as the radio or do you see that happening yeah, hundred percent. So the first thing I, I totally agree with you. I think, I, I think our parents are going to continue to listen to the radio, and there's a radio in every household. Radio has uh, reaches more households in the Middle East and North Africa than television does, and there, that penetration I think is not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of impact, I think that podcasts have a much greater potential for impact. And from an advertising perspective, it. I went to a conference. Uh, it was a radio advertising purchasing conference and I was so shocked that they, I mean, they have no clarity on their numbers, mm-hmm. right? Because you you put it out on the broadcast waves and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you have an assumption of who's listening, but you have no idea actually who's listening when. Mm-hmm. Whereas with podcasts, you do, right? It's digital, you track it, you know the city, mm-hmm. you know the device, you know how long they listened, you know if they skipped an ad, like you get all that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely think that, that this is the new, and in, in fact, like, 
I, I think it's a genius idea to go to radio advertising budgets and then tell the brands, I mean, you should divert it to podcasts because yeah. this is where you can actually, yeah. you can track and conversion and referral links. And it's, yeah. and it's not, I think the problem certainly with radio in this region is that it's so saturated with ads, yeah. so saturated with ads. Yeah. Really poorly produced really, really poorly ads. Produced like ads. I'm in advertising <laughs> and it hurts me yeah, yeah. that there are ads which follow the same format all the time oh have you heard oh no i haven't oh but you haven't heard <laughs> the brand name is repeated like eight times it's uh, i it's think what happens awful. is like uh we we were considering for hr car as well to do a radio campaign and a lot of you these should things do a podcast advertisement no but yeah uh, i would definitely like when i looked at the cost of radio and like what it might potentially cost me to get um a good um, podcast to like uh, talk about me um, I think it's it's more worth it to do the podcast because honestly I don't think people have realized the value of a podcast yet in, in the Middle East so the ad rates aren't as high and uh, when it comes to the radio like you need to um, kind of repeat your ad a lot to get your message across because just the amount it's of things frequency. it's yeah, reach and need, frequency you need high frequency because you don't know when people are listening and uh, you know so you're paying for more spots and then um, you know it's it's uh, more difficult to figure out who your target audience is you kind of have an idea okay this this show is going to be in Arabic this show might be like business related people but you don't really know right mm. like so uh, so it's hard to get a, a, a read of the ROI on those things so yeah. yeah so obviously you're a for-profit you've raised money now so how do you plan to monetize gunning culture in the future uh, well, we've been we've been monetizing for the past year. So the the way that we make money is off ads that we sell on our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's through sponsorships. So mm-hmm. a brand underwriting a full season or a, a series of episodes around a certain theme, for example, um, mm-hmm. that we haven't proven yet. So that's something okay. that we're we just started to try to sell uh, like within the past month. Um, There's branded content. So we do white label or co-branded production for other brands. So Mm. uh, we just started to do that as well. And so our first client is the Special Olympics in Abu Dhabi. Um, So we did a series profiling their athletes. Um, We uh, have memberships, as you heard. So Patreon, uh, this is always going to be a a small portion um, Mm. and it's based on uh, we anticipate not more than 2% of our listeners will become paying members. And so our content, as far into the future as we can anticipate, will be freely available. Mm. Um, but then listeners who want to support the production can... This is like Gimlet Media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. so uh, for listeners who don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is the site where, like, say, if you're a creative type, you have your own YouTube channel, you have your own uh, podcast, podcast, and you need funding for it like uh, if you have a big enough listener base you can actually promote your patreon and people can contribute and usually they have like these um, incentives like first you know, releases yeah maybe it'll release first on the patreon platform or maybe you'll get a call from the creators of the show and they'll talk to you about it or uh, maybe there's like a live chat or something uh, different people do different stuff but uh, sometimes you'll see behind the scenes or something like that yeah so, so, so that's going well for you yeah, so we have, uh, I think, 40 to 50 paying members a month. Um, yeah. And That's the, cool. the yeah. tiers are everything from, it's based in dollars, the tiers are everything from $1 to we had somebody giving us $100. So it, it 
varies. Um, I mm. would say that I think the perks are interesting, but I don't think that's why people give. I think they give because they, they really want, want to support, just support the, yeah. the show or the mm. network. Um, and the perks are just like a cool to have, but they don't actually care about it. Like mm. we spent in the early days, we were like, Oh my God, we need to get the perks. Like they gotta be amazing. And then we realized <laughs> that like people don't care. Yeah. Um, they just want to support something that they love. Mm. Have you guys ever thought of doing like merch or something like that? Yeah. So we have tote bags. That's one of the perks. Um, and okay. we have created merch for our team but we haven't sold it but mm. we should because they're awesome uh <laughs> but we have like sweatshirts and we have mugs and okay. we yeah, i think you guys could make some really interesting merch because you guys have such a cultural focus in the arab world so yeah. you guys could make some really cool like arab world based merch yeah <laughs> and, and honestly i just love i think that would really work as well thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank I you i just love the name kerning culture yeah wh like, what does it mean by the way what is kerning cultures like? I'm, I'm in creative so that's why i know what it means but, but <laughs> tell us, I also tell, us read, tell us so what it means is the spacing between kerning is the spacing between letters okay. so in in graphic design you focus on two things kerning in typography kerning is the spacing between letters and letting is the spacing between sentences okay. so kerning culture so it's all about the gap which makes things interesting between two cultures and i think considering she's the uh, co-founder <laughs> and half American <laughs> and half Egyptian it all kind of makes sense so <laughs> yeah. so I think it's a it's a beautiful name it's a story in itself so thank you yeah. thank you I, I I can't take credit for the name a friend in advertising came up with it for oh, us. okay um, okay but, cool. uh, but yeah. I, I loved it as soon as I heard it yeah it's amazing so was she right about the name's significance Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was, it's a metaphorical, it too, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because I know what kerning means, I got it as well. So, um, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, can we talk about how many how you raised and no um, about uh, your listenership? Like, how many people do you think are listening to kerning cultures from your? Yeah, so for our inaugural show, we have 30,000 downloads a month. Um, mm. The second show we just kicked off, so it's still growing. Um, 30,000 downloads a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and, uh, and I think in terms of how much we've raised, so our, our seed round in May, we raised $470,000. Wow. Great. Okay. And your next round, uh, you're looking to raise when... Do you, do you have that in the pipeline? Yeah. Um, yes. I, honestly, it's not something that I'm going to pay serious attention to until probably Jan. Um, okay. Just because that we said with this funding we would do X. Mm -hmm. okay. And now we need to do it. Okay. Um, so okay. we're doing it. And then okay. we can use that as, as look what Traction. we were able to do with this. So if you invest more we'll be able to do even more okay um, but we're just we're double down on production so we have three new shows in arabic slated uh for launch the first one should launch by november second also in november december and then the third in jan okay um, wow okay amazing so uh, i was just wondering why did you guys decide to do the show in english versus arabic like considering you're targeting this region. Yeah, well, the, fir the first show that we launched, I mean, like being in Dubai, it's, it's kind of an unfortunate reality that everything happens in English here. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think it was more just a byproduct of like our surroundings. And, mm. um, mm -hmm. and we have experimented with some Arabic episodes. So I, I think like the 
Kerning Culture Show has been this hodgepodge, like catch-all for us to experiment a bunch of different kinds of things. And so mm. we've done uh, Arabic episodes. Those have performed even better than the English episodes. Mm. Um, and so that was an indicator, okay, like we need to work on a show. And then it was mm. just figuring out what is what is that Arabic show. We're always going to have bilingual production um, because mm. we're catering to audiences who care about both languages. But obviously, mm. if you're looking for growth here in the Arab world, it has to be, uh, mm. there, there needs to be programs in Arabic. And so that's, mm this second phase that we're kicking off now okay so are you personally more comfortable in english than arabic uh for me yes but for our team no mm. yeah. okay okay right. and uh where exactly did you raise from is it from this region or from the u.s uh yeah, yeah. so we raised from two vcs so okay. one is a dubai-based vc called 500 startups okay uh, yes falcon yeah. startups yeah 500, 500 falcons it's called yeah. 500 falcons Oh really? The yeah. fund, the 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 parent company is having oh, startups. Yeah. The I fund saw that in Dubai's Falcons. I saw that in Magnet's recent report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the second uh, the second fund that we raised from was a U.S. based fund called Pod Fund. So they're okay. exclusively focused on investing in podcast companies. Okay. Um, we were in their first batch and along in their batch which is really cool is pushkin industries which is malcolm gladwell's podcast company oh wow yeah okay amazing. so uh, those are the two funds and then we raised from uh, a handful of angels and they were here they were in saudi they were in the states um and in egypt okay, okay. amazing and um all those people that invested do they also form part of your board of advisors do they do they share comments on creative content um uh they shared comments on creative in that they listened and they loved it and okay. like oh you should do an episode about this like okay. from that perspective um we have a monthly report that we send out to investors and partners uh mm. that is about sort of our confidential business information and all of our investors are on that mm -hmm. okay. um and but they don't really have any creative control or they don't really give much in terms of creative direction no, no, no. And that okay. was extremely, I would <laughs> never be yeah. part of the conversation. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. yeah, I think, so the fact that we raised a seed round as a media company, as a podcast company is like pretty <laughs> extraordinary, um, yep. especially from investors here because they care about like tech yeah. <laughs> and, you know, platforms. And that was a lot of the conversation. Scalability is fine that we can that we can I mean that's part of our vision but I think that a lot of the conversations we had with investors here and it's a volumes game 100% mm. I mean I spoke with a lot of people um, a lot of the conversations were you know I don't understand what podcasts are or like media is really hard to monetize mm. um, yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of them really care about owning the platform as well so the fact that we're creative like we create content mm -hmm. and we rely on other distribution platforms was a really big sticking point as well. Oh, um, okay. And yeah, that's that's what I meant by scalability, right? Like uh, as a media platform, you need to produce content for which you need people. So you want a new show, you need more people. It's not like a tech platform really where you can, you know, um, scale globally quickly or have a partner and I, I think it just requires less resources to scale a tech product versus mm. a media product. I, I, I don't agree actually, because for, if you're scaling a tech product, you need more engineers. Like it's, mm. it's, it, engineers are way more expensive than, than media producers. So I think, I think for scalability in both, you're definitely gonna need more resources, but I think 
the the sort of distinction for some of the people that we spoke with was the fact that um, we don't own the platform itself. We're mm. just creating content on the platform. Um, so I think that was really hard. And I mm. think the way that we were able to rally the really awesome investors that we have mm. was a by the quality of our content and so that was the first thing obviously that they listened to see like oh okay like you actually can produce really good stuff that mm. i think that can set the standard as you very kindly said for what mm. podcasts could look like in the region yeah. um, and then the second thing i think is that they really believed in us as a team um, and the third thing is this is this was like my epiphany through the whole fundraising process is and I and I uh, wrote something about this in the podcast uh, newsletter uh, when we did close is I really think fundraising <laughs> is like finding a husband like it's it's honestly about compatibility is two mm. people and mm. that was something that I don't think I fully appreciated going into it I thought it was really going to be about I need to like know all the statistics I need to show you all the case studies of other companies that have done it so you can imagine that we can do it the same way mm. here um, but honestly what it came down to was it was just two chemistry. people chemistry connection and the belief that okay this person can, can do it can yeah do yeah i, I think, think people invest in people more th and we've had some vcs here as well who've told us that they've they've kind of uh broken away from their thesis or or changed their plans and course of action because they really connected with a founder so yeah. especially when it comes to seed level i think like you know at at seed level you probably don't have that much, that traction. much traction you yeah. probably haven't got a tested product you probably don't have a lot of things mm. so it's mostly the bets on the founder yeah. to be able to do it right yeah. and that's where like the faith in the founder and the chemistry and all that yeah. really matters, I think. Yeah, and people have used the same analogy also for their co-founder, where mm -hmm. it's like, it's it's, 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 a, it's a marriage 100%. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anu, next so time. the last question then, if we decided to monetize our podcast, which we're not doing as yet, what would you advise for us? Mm. Uh, you could sell ads. Mm -hmm. That is an easy one. Um, have you found that difficult to do? Or like convincing people, like do does the market over here understand that podcasts are a thing? And that no, so I think from a market, so to your question of like uh, sort of the podcast landscape here, so it is um, going to explode and really soon, mm -hmm. and we have all of the rights and all the right ingredients for podcasting to take off just as spectacularly as as it has in other markets. Like mm -hmm. we spoke at the forum of the U.S. market, 103, 105 million Americans listen to an average of seven hours of podcasts every week mm. uh, China is massive 300 million active listeners it's a 7.3 billion dollar industry as of last year and most of that is from paid subscriptions mm. um, here in the Middle East storytelling is in our blood like this mm. is such a natural digital revival of a tradition uh, and having it on demand on our phones we have the highest smartphone penetration rates in the world like this yep. is just 100 percent totally like this is going to happen mm. um and i think it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing and that there's not enough good quality content our shows excluded um, <laughs> of course of course uh there's just not enough good quality content yet mm. and when that hits the kind of critical mass it'll i mean it's just gonna tip and i think like we have with snapchat and youtube and facebook sometimes we are a couple years behind the trend like we were speaking of uh on friday um but when when it catches up, 
we top global usage. So Mm. we top global usage for YouTube, for Snapchat and for Facebook. And I think the exact same thing is going to happen with podcasting. Um, So I think that from a listener perspective, it's growing really fast. Arabic is growing much strong, much faster than English. Mm. Um, From a monetization standpoint as podcasters, I think brands are still playing catch up of like, what is this thing? I think reports like what Marketeers Mina published this summer, 1.3 million active listeners here Mm. in the UAE, having concrete data around that really helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that as a podcaster, you can certainly monetize through ads um, and you can get uh, ads to sponsor an entire season. And so what, what a brand would be looking for is reach and you can sort of promise them that over a course of a season um another way for you to monetize could be through ticketed events that could be Mm. a possibility so you guys have really honed your craft as interviewers you Mm. bring really cool people so why don't you do panels live and Mm. you could sell tickets and that could be a really easy way to do it Mm. another thing is you could have uh, I, i don't remember what the example of this is but you're you're having really unique insights about different industries Mm. and so you could have a newsletter that supplements it and maybe that becomes a paid subscription for a newsletter you know that could be a possibility Mm. so we have something in mind for the ticketed event uh, which which I think would be quite cool but I think it's just the starting of an idea okay maybe we should make it public in this episode and see what people think (laughs) (laughs) well we because it's just an idea so we were thinking of since we are a startup related podcast we were thinking of getting a sponsor to put um, a, a, a certain amount of money towards doing a startup pitch event, which is going to be a live podcast uh, pitch event. And we'll make an episode out of it, but we'll give a substantial amount, like a small like $10,000 amount or something like that to the pitch winners. So, uh, and we'd get a couple of uh, interesting VCs to come on board and like talk about it. So, kind of like a Shark Tank episode, but in podcast format. That's cool. Do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sid came up with the idea while he was walking our dog and, <laughs> and like sent me a voice note. And he's like, What do you think about this? And I'm like, It's amazing, but when are we going to find time <laughs> no but, but. I, th- I think it would be really interesting and like people might uh, and, I, and I think if the prize pool is good enough and if we get a good sponsor on board to help us out to do that mm. then it should be something interesting Okay, so let's leave that to our viewers as well. Tell us what you think about the idea. We uh, broadcast through Anchor, so leave us a voice note. In fact, flood us with voice <laughs> notes so that it's really easy for us to get a sponsor who's going to invest that money. And yeah. let us know if you would want to take part in a startup pitch competition. In fact, you know what I'll, I'm going to do? I'm going to leave a link in the description to like a Google form with a few questions. So if you want to participate in something like this, like we'll just mm. collect your email address and then maybe we'll reach out to you once cool. we, we decide yeah. to go ahead with this. I, I, I love <laughs> maybe, this. We've come up with this, you know, maybe whole plan. If we get, <laughs> the room, amazing. Yeah, maybe if you get enough email addresses, it'll be easier to get a sponsor on board as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, cool. that's awesome. Cool. No, but that's really, really good insights. And uh, I think when you say that uh, you spend a good amount of time researching the platform, the industry, and and the news, I think that that probably has resulted in investors having a lot of confidence in you. Um, And it comes through. It comes through when we talk to you, and it comes through from... You know, you hosting events like Middle East Podcast Thanks. Forum. And you're going to be speaking at Jitex soon yeah. as well. Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Jitex Technology Week, no? Uh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Jitex Technology Week. <laughs> no, the Future Stars is a startup thing. I know, but it's not that. Uh, so she's talking on uh, <laughs> the age of disruption. Or okay. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, guys, on that note, uh, thank you, Heba, so much for being thank on the you. show. Thank you for uh, having me. All of you guys should go listen to Kerning Cultures because it's awesome. Kerning Cultures and Al Empire. It's yeah. not AI. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. So we'll make sure we leave uh, d- links. links in the show notes. Yeah. And um, if you're watching this on YouTube, they're going to be in the description. Please make sure you leave us a like and leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to because that helps spread the word. And uh, hopefully these algorithms will help us out and uh, spread the word a little bit more. So um, thanks, Eva, again. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> and keep on hustling. <laughs>